What's going on, everyone? Happy Friday. Welcome into another edition of Final Whistle. This week, I have another guest, and as always, I usually have guests. So this week, I have Anthony Pacifico, one of my Seton Hall best friends. He is a mental health counselor in training who also studies sports and exercise psychology. Anthony, thanks for taking some time out of your day to come on to Final Whistle. What's going on, Blaine? I'm happy to be here. You know, we've been talking sports together for a very long time, since probably the day we met. Um, it's great to uh, kind of show the world what our conversations are like about sports. Yeah, hopefully we don't get too off topic, honestly. And if, if you guys didn't know, Anthony was actually the co-host with me for the season one. So he knows his stuff. Don't worry. You can go back and listen to those season one episodes. Just a smidge, he knows. A, sm- a tiny bit. Nothing crazy. Yeah. So, Anthony, I know mental health has been a real uh problem that we've seen showcase this year with COVID in the year of 2020 and with you studying sports psychology and exercise psychology etc how do you what what does the toll look like do you think from athletes this year especially trying to play dealing with sometimes playing in bubbles without their families not seeing them for long periods of time like in college athletes they're pretty much self-quarantining on campus stuff like that sure so I'm actually interning right now um, at a college counseling center and they are a division two school and you know it seems like the the hardest part about this whole thing the the main incorporation of it is people with last year eligibilities losing their last years of eligibilities right uh you know what is your identity when you leave your sport is it you're going professional because we all know the percentages of that the very slim chance right what are you doing outside your sport um to to make up for that to subsidize for that um, I think when you go to some of like the larger universities, some, even some of the universities that bring in international students um, or students just from across the country, you're looking at that emotional toll from that. You're looking at, you know, you have to quarantine and, and be in a form of isolation while you're on campus. So you're not seeing your teammates that much or it's remote other than practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, your, some of your peers, your students, your classes, and you're not really close to your family. Those are your social supports, right? Those are your, probably your most important social supports, minus your teammates and your coaches and whatnot. Um, but I think athletes are really losing out just on that emotional connection, that face-to-face contact. And I think I think it's hard. I think um, in a way, you, you mentioned the bubble, like the end. Um, talking about the NBA bubble. I think while it's hard. Um, emotionally to be away from your family for X amount of time, not discrediting that at all. Um, but I think being there, being in, in a way isolated with like the, the, your sport fraternity, if you will, I think, I think it really kind of invigorated players in, in a sense to, to really kind of go back to kind of like K through 12 playing that sport, kind of just having fun with it again. Like you saw the NBA, you see some of those players, you know, joking around with each other and whatnot. I don't know. Some positivity out of it. And they were they ended up becoming the cheerleaders too. It was kind of interesting to see as soon as there was a big play, they're the ones that were jumping up and down, going crazy, pointing at players if they're getting dunked on, just stuff, head-to-head taps, all that. Kind of like uh, the video from Monmouth a few years ago. I think it was Monmouth. I think they went, someone made a yeah, dunk or something. Yeah, that Monmouth player. They went crazy the after. Yeah, that's exactly what they were doing in the bubble. So a, a little bit of positive light to that. Yeah, absolutely. And how do you think from a mental standpoint, how much more difficult this year has been for athletes? If you can give it on a scale from one to 10. Well, I think, I think your expectation 
does never changes. Your expert, you know, you're you're still um, expected to to do your best to to play this high functioning role to be the best athlete you can be. But you're not getting the the supports that you're used to getting. Just 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 plain and simple, you're not getting the face to face interaction. I mean, like you and I would probably do. I, we would probably do this in person if we had the ability to. Um, I. I would, you know, I don't want to necessarily put a number to it, but it's significantly higher. I think mm-hmm. because, you know, you look at some of these, these um, athletes, they would fly their families to, the, to their away games or they would get them this. You're not doing that anymore. You got to FaceTime, you got to phone call them, email, whatever. It's just, it's, it's just definitely not the same. But the expectation of how they should play, that's not changed. Yeah, and then I know we've started to see fans in the stands, especially in some NFL areas, uh, soccer, MLS had fans for significant portions in some states, and even in college football. Do you think that mindset started to change a little bit and it got more to a normal feel? Even though it was a limited capacity of fans being at your in attendance, do you think that helped them in a mental health sort of mental health way? I do. I think I think having that support from a far relationship is it's good, not great. You know, it, it was, they were working within the limitations, but I think it definitely excited players and athletes to, you know, go back to that feeling of, Hey, like the, the NBA, the NFL college sports is, is a family, you know, your team's a family, your family's family, like, you know, and I, I think opening that door just a little bit um, just filled that void while it, while it could. Absolutely. And then um, let's transition. You're a big Philly guy, diehard Philadelphia Eagles fan. If you, if anyone didn't know, my man is a diehard Eagles fan, and he is uh, trying to dig himself out of a massive hole with his Eagles this year. So just before Blaine asked me the question, just a little tidbit about that. When Philadelphia won the Super Bowl, I dragged this kid to the parade in Philadelphia. I lost a bet, ladies and gentlemen. I told him we bet the Super Bowl. I said, if the Eagles won, he was like, if the Eagles win, you're taking me to the parade. And I ended up folding there so, and having to go. Great parade, by the way. Parade was great. I'm not gonna, fun. I got no complaints about the parade. I still lost the bet, though, which hurt even more, bro. <laughs> but, all right, back to, our, back to our conversation here about Philadelphia. And there's been – Jalen Hurts has been now named the starter for the second consecutive week. He actually played relatively well against New Orleans. It looked like the team rallied around him. And, you know, this is now a – people are saying this is the second time this has happened with the whole Knicks full situation where the team rallies around him. Carson Wentz doesn't run the offense. I know you're a huge Carson Wentz advocate. He's got a North Dakota State jersey of Carson Wentz, so he's a diehard. <laughs> and, and people have now been saying that potentially Carson Wentz was affected mentally with the selection of Jalen Hurts in the second round. Just give me your overall sense of the Eagles and how this situation's been handled, and then uh, giving me a little bit of insight about what you think about Carson Wentz having a mental, uh, mentally and physically uh, strained by Jalen Hurts being a potential looming in the background. Yeah, so actually, I think Jalen Hurts becoming the starter, especially going forward for the rest of the season. I think it's a great thing, but I don't think it's a great thing in the sense of a quarterback controversy. I think people are really trying to make a story out of nothing. Um, and this comes from the top-down organizational standpoint. Jeffrey Lurie, the owner of the Eagles, was very open about saying, look, if we're going to play like crap, start Jalen Hurts. And when you say that, 
you're not saying Carson Wentz is, I mean, yes, Carson Wentz is playing abysmal. He's having the worst season of his career. But doesn't every quarterback have like that one year that you can pinpoint and it's like, oh, they, they didn't play so great. So, but Jeffrey Lurie's looking at it like this. Evaluate the talent on your team. You're not, there's no reason for you to win the division. There's no reason to risk your quarterback getting hurt, especially on a terrible injury-ridden offensive line. Evaluate your talent. I mean, it's something that they should be doing regularly, and they're not, they, they waited to do it now. So, I don't know, Blaine, what do you think? I mean, personally, for me, I feel like the controversy will become inevitable, especially if you guys run the rest of the table. And you're all three, the rest of, the rest of your games, all three of them are very winnable. You have Arizona in there. You have Washington. I'm a Washington guy, and I know – we don't we we have we don't even know who plays quarterback on a week to week basis. So, I mean, all three of those games that you guys still have remaining on the schedule are definitely winnable. And then being able to showcase an ability, but I from what I've seen though, Doug Peterson called a completely different game plan than what he would have called it for Carson Wentz. It was completely different. He utilized the run game extremely at a higher rate than usually. His run rate was way higher. You have a quarterback that has significant mobility. You're a Sooner guy. He's a former Sooner. You know Jalen Hurts very well, too. So it's just trying to figure out what the balance is. But if they end up running the table, they've got a significant problem. And I'm a huge Dan Orlovsky guy, so are you. And he was saying this week, if they end up running the table, the trade almost becomes inevitable if they can try and get get the money off of his hands. You're right. At that point, it becomes a – it's conceptualized around the dollars and cents, right? If you have a guy, Jalen Hurts, who plays well with his team um, and runs the table, fine, because the team's only going to get better, hypothetically speaking, next year with a healthier offensive line, healthier secondary, sure. But this goes down to the organization. This, this is what it comes down to. It comes down to Doug Peterson, Harry Roseman. So the first thing with Doug Peterson, I've been saying this since, since Nick Foles. Right. They dumbed down the offense and that's why Nick Foles accelerated. You know, we watched Nick Foles in Chicago. We watched Nick Foles in, in Jacksonville. And it's not that he can't, he's not a capable quarterback. He's a capable starting quarterback, but Doug Peterson worked to the strength of their quarterback. And I'll, I will get on to this about uh, Carson Wentz uh, mental and physical strain, but Doug Peterson is asking Carson Wentz to turn a pile of nothing into a pile of something where he's asking Jalen Hurts and Nick Foles, he's going to, he's going to give them a little bit more credit, a little bit more of an advantage. Why are you doing that? Why are you doing that for Foles and and Hurts, but not for Wentz? And then the next thing is, is Howie Roseman, the GM, right? He's great when it comes to contracts, right? Phenomenal job. Doesn't hit on his picks. He's been around for close to 20 years. Only a handful. He's great at bringing in free agents from other teams, but where are you doing with draft picks? You're not helping your team. If, if, if I'm Jeffrey Lurie, I'm sitting both of them in a room and saying, none of, one of you is getting fired after this meeting. Explain to me why you, want to keep your, why you should keep your job. Howie Roseman is going to lose. I'm glad you're great with your contracts, you can get somebody else to do that. Doug Peterson won you a Super Bowl with, with this talent, with this aging talent. 
Doug's going to win that fight. Mm-hmm. I think that's valid. I think I wouldn't be surprised if Carson Wentz is also sitting in that room, though, too. You could have all three of them there. Take, pick, and you take two out of the three. And you just say something's got to something's got to give. And I mean, like, and Harry Roseman's credit, Jalen Rager, their first round pick. I finally, I finally saw him actually make a play in a game last week. It was great. It was, it was crazy. Who knew? But, Who knew? But, Who knew but that Blaine. he played football? But Blaine. I mean, he was a great collegiate player at Tech, at TCU. You couldn't even add an APB out for him. APB, you couldn't find him. Blaine, you know, you know, college football more than you know. I would say ninety five percent of the people I know, right? You've seen Jalen Rager's tape. You know he's good. He's he's great on uh, special teams as well. Yeah, but you 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 got Justin Jefferson on the board. You have Justin Jefferson on the board, and you take the guy who's uh, Deshaun Jackson two point Deshaun Jackson's another one I can't find on the field. You cannot. I I, I could... Alshon Jeffrey finally showed up too. Who knew? He's been hurt right. though. He's been hurt. He's been but hurt. These, but these are Howie Roseman decisions. Justin Jefferson's on the board. Okay, he was in a loaded LSU offense. What do you have? Over 100 catches, 1,300 yards, like almost big 10-plus touchdowns? Those don't – doesn't lie when you're playing top-ranked teams. The other thing is about him is that what you're not doing for Carson that you're doing for other people is you're not recycling your team. You're not recycling your players when your players are like Deshaun, like Alshon, right? Look at, look at the other team in Pennsylvania. Look at the Steelers. Big Ben, his entire career – Mike Wallace, Emmanuel Sanders, Antonio Brown, Heinz Ward, uh, Antonio Holmes, right? They keep, as an organization, they keep refreshing. As Big Ben ages and it continues to be a great quarterback, he's, they're just evolving. That The Packers are doing it too. Just keep, what's Philadelphia doing? Oh, we can keep Alshon for one more year. He's not the bum that, that, that everyone thinks he is. No, he's a bum. So instead of drop, drafting Jalen Hurts, instead of drafting J- Jalen Hurts in the second round, why didn't you get another receiver? First of all, you shouldn't have. Jalen Rager might still pan out. Why didn't you yeah, take yeah. another receiver? Well, remember, well, remember this. We talked about it last week. We listed what off of six wide receivers that were taken. Jalen Rager, if anyone didn't know, he was like the t- nine or tenth best receiver in that class, and he was drafted fourth, if I'm not mistaken. We listed off. I think it was fourth. Yeah, because the big three: Rugs of Rugs, Judy, and Lamb. Then it was. Then it was so. Rager. But look, Justin Jefferson, he mentioned. Michael Pittman Jr. at Indianapolis, kid out of USC, absolute baller. Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame. Look where he's now at in Pittsburgh, as he mentioned. You have Brandon Ayuk out of San Francisco making an impact there right away. And Brandon Ayuk is literally the exact same player as Jalen Rager was in college. So there's different components here that the list goes on. There was so... I can't even go tell you off the top of my head. Let me say one more so thing many. about that, though. Let me say one more thing about that. Let's go, go back to the year prior to that. So I was watching the tape on J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, and you liked him, too. You said he was a big baller, basically. Alshon Jeff, I know you said it. You said he's basically I, lo- I did. I loved him out of college, but he was more but, of a tight end, not I'm, a wide receiver. Right, right. It's basically what Alshon is. Alshon can't run around to save his life. So my thing is, you have a guy like D.K. Metcalf. You passed on not once, but twice. He's a freak of a human specimen. And you take the guy who needs a position change? Yeah. 
Again, <laughs> enough said. Enough. In everyone else, everyone in the league, they'll pass on DK Metcalf. So everyone gets I, everyone. I, gets think, thrown into the I think if Carson gets moved, it's because of the downfall of his own franchise. Um, yeah. He should be looked at as the golden boy. Not that he can't do no wrong, because he obviously does. Um, but do you think he, he has yeah. the right to pout? Yes, he's out there pouting. I think he has the right to pout. Um, they don't win the Super Bowl without him. Let's be real. 11, 11 and two before they got hurt during that Rams game. I yeah, 11, two, 11 and three, somewhere around there. You don't get the, the, the buy. You don't get, you don't, you don't do all that without Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz it has shown that he's MVP caliber, um, but you're not loading the talent around him. That's his own. You're hypothetically speaking, you're, you're a franchise that's shooting yourself in the foot. You drafted another quarterback in the second round. Green Bay did the same thing. Why did you not get your – why did you not get Aaron Rodgers? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's wild. Makes no sense. I just – another yeah. – If Hurts plays great down the stretch, trade him, get picks. You don't, you don't want to win this division anyway. You're going to get a first-round bounce. You know, keep pushing. Um. But did you want me to continue talking about Carson Wentz, kind of the strain, the, the mentality? Yeah, I was, if you, I mean, if you, yeah, I was going to ask you, how do you think this is affecting him mentally at the moment? So, From, with your with your background in in this kind of field, so so how would you counsel him right now? That would be a great so, question. How would so you counsel I, him? I look at it as a few different ways, right? So I look at it in terms of goal setting goal setting is a big thing in, in sports psychology and like what your expectations are right so i honestly think doug peter doug peterson and carson went to my knowledge have a great relationship and i think doug is ex- instilling these expectations for him that are kind of high i don't even think it's carson went instilling those expectations anymore because we see it here is he really thrown for four thousand yards and 35 36 touchdowns with a, a makeshift offensive line and uh, dud that receiver. Your best receiver is Dallas daughter and Zach Ertz just came back last week. Your two best receivers are tight ends. You're not going down the field. You're doing crossing routes. And yeah, um, I think that part, the expectation on him is weighing on him. That's why he does a lot. That's why he's doing too much. Nobody's getting open. Nobody's doing nothing. I mean, sure, Jalen Hurts has his legs and can run more. Does that make him a better quarterback? Absolutely not. We're talking about the quarterback position, not his athleticism. The other thing I think, and I think the owner is saving him from this, is his own injuries. I think Carson Wentz, kind of similar to what they did with what um, Washington did with RG3, I, I will always use that as an example. They rushed him back too soon. He was never the same. I know, sad. But I think Jeffrey Lurie is doing his team a, a service. You're paying this man a lot of money, as you should be. He is worth every penny of it. Maybe not this season, sure. But you have nothing to play for right now. Evaluate the rest of your team and let Carson get healthy. Let him have another six months or so, right, to, to get his legs back, to get, get into prime shape. Um, and I think that's what Carson needs right now. I think he needs – I think the team as a whole needs to treat him better in terms of who they're allowing – who's available, bring in free agents, draft better. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think Carson Wentz knows in a way that his team's holding back. Um, if I was him, I would be very upset of, of a quarterback controversy. And, and that's what, if I was counseling him, that's what I would want to talk about. 
like the elephant in the room is you potentially may lose your, we, we don't know, but you potentially might lose your job to Jalen Hurts. I personally think it would be for all the wrong reasons. You know, Philadelphia, the city itself is brutal. Um, you know, this is something similar to like Kevin Cobb and, and Michael Vick, right? Like there was a little bit, of, you know, Kevin Cobb started the season, Kevin Cobb got hurt, Michael Vick went in and, and, and tore it up, right? But there's not, and there wasn't a lot of sample of Kevin Cobb. There was of Mike Vick, so, you know, but that's where Carson Wentz wins. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is more about a, a franchise rehabilitation more than it is with Carson Wentz's expectations. The franchise as a whole needs to treat themselves better and, um, you know, function properly. And their players, you know, Fletcher Cox, stud defensive tackle, came out and said, Carson's our guy. I believe it was Fletcher Cox was very adamant on, I think it was Twitter and Instagram saying like, no, he's our guy. Mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts doesn't own that locker room by any means. It's, Car- it's Carson's job to lose. And Philadelphia right now makes it seem like they want him to lose it. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, let's transition now to another uh, little sports topic here. I know, I think everyone in the, anyone can agree with me that it's right now, it's Kansas City, and then there's everyone else. And I'm pretty sure the gap right now is especially, we thought Pittsburgh maybe actually closer than the people thought, and now Pittsburgh's lost two in a row. So Pittsburgh's way off of that gap more than people think. I think there's, a, there's a definitely a significant gap between Kansas City and everyone else. So, Anthony, I want to get your take. Who is the biggest team, who has the best chance to derail the Kansas City Chiefs? Because personally for me, they have – if they get to the Super Bowl, it's over. I think nobody will beat them from the NFC. So I think a team from the AFC has to beat them before they get to the Super Bowl to have any chance. So, you know, we talked about this with a little bit of prep, but, you know, if we're talking about who's going to win basically off the conference, it has to be the Buffalo Bills. The Steelers have been very inconsistent, like you said, right? Like even, even when they won their 11th straight, you know, they were, they were missing possessions. They looked off in their tempo. Um, but you, have to, you have to give the Buffalo Bills credit what they're doing. They're essentially in this weird complex. They're essentially what Kansas City is with a better defense. Uh, Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen, you know, cannon rocket arms, Pro- probably one A and one B in the league. Um, arm wise, r- r- yeah, arm talent, arm, arm like strength wise, yes. Um, and they're basically doing the same thing very minimal running game. I know, uh, Kansas City has their rookie, they have Le'Veon Bell. Now, we all know Le'Veon Bell does well in the passing team, too. So, let's not get cute here and say he's he's the, an all time leading rusher. Um, but but Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen, not only do they sling the ball downfield. But they, but they move their feet. Josh Allen is playing incredible football right now. One of the probably top five quarterback right now. And the addition of Stephon Diggs, you know, Josh Allen had a great season last year. But with the addition, the addition of Stephon Diggs, I think Dixon, their tight end, kind of stepping up. Um, and that, that, that back defense is just playing incredible. They're, the, they're going to be the team to, to possibly beat Kansas City. I think I probably like Buffalo more just because um, – just because I, I think their defense is more sound. I think Sean McDermott's a great uh, defensive-minded coach. Again, was with Philadelphia for a little bit. But I think he knows what he's doing. Big Listen, I love Andy Reid, too. Don't get me wrong. I was rooting for Big Red in the Super Bowl. 
but it's going to be Buffalo. I, I so I, I agree with everything you just said. I think one name that you forgot to mention, Leslie Frazier. He's also a former head coach. He coached Minnesota. You're right. He's the D coordinator there too. And yep. offensive coordinator Brian Dable. If he doesn't have a head coaching job next season, there's something wrong. Same thing with Eric Bieniemy out in Kansas yep. City. That's exactly like, what I was thinking. Those two guys are on in a class of those of their own right now, scheming for plays for their best players to be the best players on the field. So with Diggs, Kelsey, Tyree Kill, et cetera. But I'm going to throw you a little bit of a sleeper. This is like my Hail Mary dark horse kind of thing. Because right now they're supposed to play each other, the Bills, and the team is the Colts. Why the Colts? I mentioned this on my podcast earlier that I like. I do like the Colts. Yes, the issue is Phillip Rivers. It's not even a question. Can he not turn the ball over? But this is, it. This is the other formula. If you're not going to be like Kansas City, you make sure Kansas City does not touch the ball more than five times throughout the entire game. So you have an absolute stud in Jonathan Taylor in the backfield. You hand him the ball three times, and if you average three yards a carry, that gets you to fourth and one, and then you hand it off to him again on fourth and one. There is no such thing as a punt, all right? There's my, gonna be... my only then, problem with last... – hold on, hold on. Go on, go on. La- and then lastly, Indianapolis – has the athletes on defense that can match up with the Kansas City offense. You have Darius Leonard at linebacker who can easily match up with Travis Kelsey versatility-wise. You've got an absolute stud in DeForest Buckner that they got in that trade with San Francisco that people do not really recognize, and he is the one reason why they're able to stop the run in one of the best teams in run defense, forcing Patrick Mahomes to play. And the one only issue, the thing that Patrick Mahomes struggles is when you only rush three and you drop eight because he, he's holding the ball for a while. Yes, he's going to end up beating you. There's no stopping Patrick Mahomes. If you can hold them to 30 points, you've got a chance of winning the game. So, I mean, I think Indianapolis has the recipe. You keep the ball out of their hands, you drop deep, you play coverage, and you force them to work their way down the field and you've pulled them into field goals and touchdowns in the red zone. My, my, my thing about that is like, yes, we all know Phillip Rivers is their, their he's, he's not their worst weakness. He is their work, worst weakness, but he's not th- that much of a weakness, right? Like Phillip Rivers yeah. is still Phillip Rivers cap- capable, right? It's just but the turnovers. I, right. So I'm, I'm going to go with kind of the flip of what you said. You're saying that the Colts front, front seven, you know, they, they could stop Kansas City run you better hope to God they can win a shootout. Like the Colts are going to have to win a shootout. You're talking about Jonathan Taylor, but the Colt, the uh, Chiefs front interior linemen, they're not that bad at stopping the run. They're, I mean, I'm not saying they're like a top five defense, but like who's there? Chris Jones? They, Chris Jones is there. Yeah, he's a star. Right, they have, some, they have some some big guys up there that can stop the run. So um, – well, I think it's my a good curveball. Buffalo is my front runner as well. I just wanted to throw I, I, out a yeah. I, I think I think I think those are great two great picks. I, and I know you mentioned in our little prep that because uh, I'm a huge advocate. If they get to the Super Bowl, it's a wrap. But I know you had an NFC team that you believe has an opportunity. So, look, a lot of people are saying the Saints. Drew Brees isn't there. Like. He he has to kind of rekindle his chemistry, you know, after being out with the rib rib injury. Um, yeah, rib injury and punctured lung. That that's big. You know, you could sit him all you want, but you might not get that first round buy, right? So, 
I'm going to take the baddest man in football on the other side. I'm taking Aaron Rodgers. That's my MVP. Do I love Matt LaFleur? No, but he's doing some great things with that great team over there. Um, again, and this just goes back to you're not going to stop Patrick Mahomes. You just hope to contain him. Can yeah. Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers and that defense stop Pat Mahomes? I think, I think it would be a very close shootout. That's what it would be. It would be like a 40 to 37 something yeah. high scoring, high powered. Aaron Jones would probably run for 150, but probably get 150 receiving. Something ridiculous. It'd be yeah. something ridiculous. Yeah, no, I, I don't mind the Aaron Rodgers pick. I just think when Kansas City gets there, it's just going to be – there's going to be no opportunity for that for anyone to try and match them. Andy, yeah. especially Andy Reid is lethal off of a bye, and you're guaranteed a week off going into the Super Bowl. So Andy Reid knows what's <laughs> up. I know. Yeah, so I think that's, I mean, we both have two teams there. I mean, mine are a little bit, are the Buffalo Bills, we both have Buffalo. So we're both on the same page there. And then I've got one that's way out of left field and he's got an NFC East, NFC team. So we'll see. So now we have the current playoff picture going on. Yeah, it's again, it's the seven teams now, not just the six. There's only one team getting the bye. Anthony, is there a couple teams that you think that are on the outside now that are going to end up getting into the playoffs because right now you have Miami holding on to a playoff spot and you have Arizona as the two seven seeds in each conference. So with the AFC, right? So, you know, Raven just came off this win, very close win. I'm not sold. I, I, you know, Lamar Jackson, MVP caliber, you know, we've seen it time and time again. He's starting to become that like one and a half, two trick pony, right? The offense isn't scheming. I don't love it. I think they stay put. I don't think they make the playoffs. I think the AFC is so competitive, but I, and I know you don't like them, but the, the Raiders, I love what I'm seeing out of John Gruden. Um, I love the football I'm, I'm liking over with Derek Carr. Yeah, Derek Carr is, is a new life. Go Fresno. Uh-huh. Um, I'm taking the Raiders aside in there. I, I mean, I can't. I ranted about the Raiders last week. They are the <laughs> definition of foos gold, damn it. Foos gold. They gave, you, they gave you all the hype in the world with that Kansas City victory, and then you go out there, and then you lay eggs. You get dominated one week. And then if Greg Williams is not a complete insane blitzing psychopath, they lose to the Jets. And the Jets are worse than the 0-16 Lions. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Any given Sunday, I can't. Man. I cannot. The Raiders are not going to get in. It's going to be too hard, I think, because everyone holds the tiebreaker against them. And Miami's going to slip up because they still got to play Buffalo and New England still. I think they're going to at least lose one more time. That'll put them at 10 and 6. And the Baltimore Ravens are playing nobody down the stretch. They are running the table, 11 and 5. I, I'm, Brian, uh, sorry, Greg Roman finally ate his own words about trying to make Lamar a pocket quarterback. And on Monday Night Football, they let Lamar be the best player on the field, the best athlete on the field, and they just let him cook. 
That's all you have to do. Yes, you have the potential for injury every time he runs the, the football. Absolutely. But it doesn't matter because it comes back to RG3. But the only way that Baltimore is successful is when they run the ball and you let Lamar Jackson be the MVP slash Heisman Trophy quarterback that he is. Just let that man be great. I keep saying this. And Greg Roman, he will never probably listen to this, but when he eventually does, <laughs> let Lamar be great. I'm on the Ravens. They play the Giants. I think they've, they've got another – they play Jacksonville this week. They got another – and then I think they play Cincinnati. Like, come on. All right. All right. It's three games. Give me that. And then for the NFC, NFC, I mean, I don't think Arizona will honestly lose the spot, to be honest. But uh, if I had to throw a team out there, I know we were talking about it. I think think you're right, Minnesota Vikings. I think this week, Minnesota and Chicago play this week. Those are the two teams on the outside looking at. You're going to learn – Whoever wins that matchup is going to have the chance. So we'll we'll learn who's who. I mean, of course, we know Chicago has a better defense, but uh, Kirk Cousins and the gang have a much better offense. I mean, Dalvin they should Cook have won last won. week. Dalvin Cook and Bailey learns how to kick a field goal again. Well, they win. well, they well of course. Campaign. But I mean, both of these teams are are frauds, right? Like we were talked about it a little bit before. Like there's three NFC North teams dancing to get in. None of them are going to make it far. Uh, even if they do get in, I agree with you. I think uh, the Cardinals keep to that spot. Um, I'll talk a little bit about them later, um, but I do like the Cardinals. But there is one team, they're not in the bubble, but since this division is so bad, I do need to bring them up because you never know what happens. I am so hyped for your Washington uh, football team because... In the division, baby. I will talk about them again a little bit later, but... Oh There's something about that front seven defense, you know, the, the, the exciting story about Alex Smith coming back from injury and Ron Rivera and, and a lot of change in that organization. Um, I could see them winning the division and maybe even getting an upset. I would love that as a fan. Love it. And I know we know damn well that if we end up making the playoffs, we're going to be the Washington football team for the next three years, baby. <laughs> <laughs> maybe have a name anytime soon if we end up <laughs> making the playoffs but um it's also college football we have a huge slate this weekend it's the conference championship games you have alabama florida notre dame clemson part two you have ohio state northwestern you have cincinnati versus tulsa these are just the t- iowa state oklahoma these are the teams that still have an opportunity to potentially make the college football playoffs. Some have better chances than others, but still. Um, and the most surprising thing that definitely came out from Tuesday's college football playoff rankings is that the Florida Gators could throw a shoe against probably the, one of the worst teams that I've seen in the SEC in a while, and the LSU Tigers barely had enough players to play. Then they were down, had five players injured. The guy throws a shoe and leads to a 58-yard field goal for the Tigers to beat them, and Florida still only drops one spot. It made absolutely no sense to me. From six to seven, and you lose to an, an LSU team that on that has been absolutely horrible this year. I mean, they're coming off of a national championship, so I can't really say anything else. But they should have dropped more. Yeah, Florida should have dropped more. Absolutely. I just want to – for me, of course, I'm a Notre Dame fan, so my eyes will definitely be on that Notre Dame-Clemson game. 
and I know you're an uh, Oklahoma uh, Oklahoma guy, so I know you'll be watching the Oklahoma Iowa State game. What are the games that have got you intrigued this weekend? Um, so I have a I have a few, right? I just wanted to touch briefly on Alabama, Florida. Actually, you know, Florida is, um, you know, like we said, right? They're they should have been dropped. They probably shouldn't, you know, maybe not in this spot. But I'm actually interested to see how Mac Jones plays. I think he's been playing some high quality football. Uh, doing everything right, not really turning the football over. Um, but he just he's just doing things well. He's one of the top quarterbacks in the nation right now. Um, of course, they're winning games are number one. But but there's a lot of tremendous growth there. I would love to see how he, how he plays. Um, what about you? Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a little bit of a sneaky Heisman. This is a Heisman battle this week, too, between Jones and Kyle Trask. But there is one name, Devontae Smith, the wide receiver out of Alabama. If he somehow is a crazy massive game like he did the, these past couple of weeks, he could easily become that dark horse to be a Heisman Trophy winner and be the, fir- be the first one that's outside of a quarterback and running back in a very long time. So watch out for Devontae Smith. I, Florida's defense has showed me nothing that, that Alabama is going to lose this game. I think I'm going to be more intrigued whether or not Florida is going to how competitive Florida will be. We know sure. Kyle Trask is elite. Kyle Pitts, the tight end, he's also elite. He's going to be a first-round draft pick without a doubt. So I think it's going to come down to the two offenses to see who's going to be. It's going to be – hopefully it will be a high-scoring game. I do believe that. And Alabama's getting like 17 or something. So that's going to be a good marker to whether see how much of a gap there really is in the SEC between Alabama and everyone else. So transitioning now, we're going to talk about Ohio State, uh, not Ohio State, excuse me, Oklahoma, Iowa State. I know you're a big boomer sooner. We've talked about the Sooners a little bit already, but I think this is a real statement game for the Oklahoma. They were a very young team. They finally caught fire. Spencer Rattler, after being benched for in that first half of the Texas game, has not been nothing short of sensational. Iowa State's playing in their first ever Big 12 championship game. I mean, they've been absolutely a huge surprise in the Big 12. Brees Hall, hands down, the top three running back in the country right now. He's going to have a monster game, I believe. What do you expect to see out of this one? Well, we all know those teams don't play defense. We all know it's going to be a high-scoring game. Oh, yeah. We defense know it, uh, uh, we know it's going to be a lot of yards, right? You know, uh, and Iowa State has a good quarterback, Brock Purdy, seventeen-six uh, touchdown interception ratio, playing really good football. Um, Brees Hall has almost fourteen hundred yards on the ground, right? Getting in the end zone a few times. But you said it before, Spencer Rattler since the benching has been remarkable. Right. So on the season, he had about 2,500 yards passing, 24 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Guys just playing unreal. Um, and I think it gives a lot of credit to Lincoln Riley um, having faith in all of his quarterbacks. We see it time and time again Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, um, Spencer Rattler. You know, I think it comes down to does Lincoln Riley let Spencer Rattler do what he does and just plays that good? you know, backyard football, just get in the end zone, however you need to do it. Or is he going to put the chain on him? Is, is he going to, you know, hold him in there? Is he going to kind of coach him a little bit? No, I think you let Spencer Rattler do what he does best. You know, he's a young guy. Mm-hmm. I think retro fresh, freshman, retro freshman. Yeah. Retro freshman. He's a true sophomore. Yeah. Right on there. 
super young guy, right? Early mistakes, we get that, but I see Oklahoma taking this game. I think Spencer Rattler has a big day, really shows um, his potential in college football and potentially in the pros. Think, think the big win for them. Yeah, and then the last game we were going to just mention briefly, um, Notre Dame-Clemson, it's the rematch. Notre Dame ended up winning in double overtime. Uh, with Remember, Trevor Lawrence did not play. So this is a real test, again, for Notre Dame. Notre Dame's be, still being doubted. And if Notre Dame gets blown out here, they will not be in the college football playoff. I will tell you that right now. Because that game against Clemson will be completely null and void if they get absolutely blown out. And I'm, I'm a diehard Notre Dame fan, if you, don't, if you guys don't know already. I just need to see – be competitive into the fourth quarter, and you will be in the top four. Would I love for us to kick Clemson's butt out of the playoff? Absolutely, and freaking beat them twice this year and show something that we're actually really good and we have an, a legitimate chance to win the national championship. But that's all I want to see is Ian Book, can we stop Travis Etienne a second time? We held him to 30 yards in the first matchup. He that's was big. non-existent. We had a defensive touchdown because of an Etienne fumble. So how much of an impact is Trevor Lawrence actually going to be on the field? It's going to be the real question and see if we're going to be a real contender this year. Definitely. I think so. Yeah. So uh, last thing I want to mention up, go back to a little, a mental health question here for your aunt. Sure. Um, so we've had a lot of college football teams already opt out of playing in the bowl season this year. A lot of the reasons have been the players have just decided they're mentally and emotionally and physically drained and they just, they're, they're done. They're not, they're not in contention for a conference championship or playing in a significant bowl game or playing for the national title. What do you, do you think that these players, what do you think that these players have had to go through this year? And I think this is really showcased that collegiate athletes are more than more, especially college football players and college basketball players are more than just, uh, just student athletes this year too yeah I think it very much humanizes who they are we look at these college athletes as if they're you know they're college you know athlete stars or, or prominent role players or they're going to be professionals right and we keep them to that expectation but I think if this is if this is showing us one thing it very humanizes the role the roles we play um, in our lives and I think that's important but at the same time I can't fault those teams for opting out. We've been in this for roughly nine months now. Um, and like I mentioned earlier about expectation, right? You're not competing. You're competing for a major bowl um, or, or lack of a major bowl, right? Like if you're opting out, but, but it, it's to the point, right? Where like you, you reach your, your point. And like, if you're, if you make a team decision to opt out, I know individual players have too, but if you made a team decision to opt out, um, that's best. Because you know, like you, like I said, all this pressure. Uh, it, it's hard. Some of these, some of these people are you know 18, 19, 20 years old, and you know we have a lot of people age ranges struggling with this. Like let alone being a, a student athlete, right? Just as a human, we're all struggling with this. I think it's, I think it's appropriate to opt out. I understand as a fan uh, of college football, hey, you're losing out on the bowl, or there's an an automatic winner, however they decide to to do that, right? Yeah. Um, I get it, but you know what? We also had an abbreviated season here. The NFL season continues to be shifting. Uh, baseball was abbreviated. You know what? Uh, um, it's a blessing that we are able to continue doing sports, 
during this matter. Take it for what it is. Um, let's continue working as a, as a team here to get past this. Um, so we can so we can revitalize not only us as humans but the athletics and, and those things to their fullest potential. Absolutely, I think these teams have just realized that. I don't think we really understand how much these student athletes, these coaches, have what they've really gone through for them to even to go out there and play, getting tested regularly, being able to have to go to different workouts, yourself quarantining yourself basically on campus. You're going to either class you're doing class remote and then yep. you're just going to your athletic facility. That's it. You're not doing really any, there's no social engagement whatsoever. You're making sure that you're following protocols, et cetera. So it's definitely a unique situation that everyone is going through. So, uh, and I commend these players for, I think that they're just, they've reached a threshold and they're just they're ready to go home, be with their families for a little bit and just, just kind of just let this season semester and season be over. So kudos to all them. Unwind. Just get that sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Just to, just to leave that stress off their shoulders. Uh, so now we're going to transition to our final yeah, segment definitely. of the day to my sports betting following. You already know what time it is. It is lock it in. It is my three college football picks and my three NFL locks for the weekend. Anthony has done the due diligence for himself to have his own picks. So we're going to be very competitive this weekend to see who has the better record. Um, so we're gonna, how this works is that I'm going to go, Anthony, you'll go vice versa back and forth. All right. So for my first college football pick, I have the Texas A&M Aggies minus 13 and a half versus the Tennessee Volunteers. Why? Well, Texas A&M is right now the odd team looking out there, number five in the college football rankings. They have to showcase the ability and be dominant this weekend to give them the credibility if any of these teams slip up out of the top four to put them in over a potential Big 12 champion like an Iowa State or a potentially an Oklahoma or a potentially Cincinnati if they win the American championship. So Texas A&M, they've got a very good coach in Jimbo Fisher. They've got a solid senior quarterback in Kellen Mond. They need to be dominant against a very poor Tennessee team. So Texas A&M minus 13 and a half is my first lock. So my first lock, I'm, I'm looking at the Michigan State versus Maryland game. Uh, neither team is playing remarkable football whatsoever. And I think it actually works to the advantage of the excitement of the game, right? Kind of like two mediocre teams playing kind of makes a great game. But we have Michigan State plus two and a half. I'm locking in the over. I, I think Michigan State wins by at least three, um, maybe even a touchdown. I think both sides are playing just poor football. I mean, I just have a, a feeling about Michigan state, but also also Michigan state posts a um, overall nine and two record against Maryland. So I'm choosing the, that favorite as well. I like it. I like it. A little upset there early upset, upset there. My next pick is Missouri minus one versus Mississippi state, Missouri coming off of a little bit of a tough loss against Georgia after finally getting themselves into the college football rankings at 24th in the country slipping up against the Georgia Bulldogs uh, with them hosting them at home. They do have a very good quarterback in Connor Bilzak. He is a, knows how to throw the football all over the lot. They've got a solid running back in Roundtree that knows how to run the football. And Mississippi State, the air raid has been an absolute bust this year in the SEC. Mike Leach, I don't even think he's figured out who he's going to play 
at quarterback yet this week. So that's, so that's just a situation in and itself. Give me Missouri minus one on the road. So the next game I'm looking at is Nebraska versus Rutgers. So it's a little bit of a hometown feeling. I'm from Jersey, right? You know, Rutgers is like the team in the state, I suppose, right? And I mean, go Hall, but still. Uh, <laughs> Nebraska is sixth in Big Ten West, while Rutgers is uh, fourth in Big Ten East. Uh, the, the margin is Rutgers minus five and a half. I think it's going to be a smaller margin of victory. I see it being a two to three point game. But it's not really about the players of this game. It's more so about the pride and the energy, right? So this is a big stage for the new and improved Rutgers under you know, the return of Greg Schiano. I think they're, they're a little bit better just by having Greg Schiano there. And I think this is, this is a staple win for them, whether, whether or not at the large margin of victory or not. Lock it in, they're going to win. I think it's going to be a two to three point. But in addition to that, Scott Frost's squad is very one-dimensional. They're not doing what they need to be doing. I, I think Rutgers has a good shot here. Yeah, I like I, I like that as well. Nebraska's been a huge hit or miss. They haven't figured out who they play at quarterback either on a week-to-week basis. They got their own quarterback rotation going. But uh, so I like that one. Lastly, I'm gonna actually pick one of the American the American Championship game here. I'm I think Cincinnati will end up winning, but Cincinnati really needs to be a convincing victory for them to have a make that significant jump, and they need help, of course. But I'm actually going to take Tulsa to cover the 14 and a half points. The Golden Hurricane, I've covered a couple of their games this season for Underdog Dynasty as they played East Carolina, where they should have lost that game if they weren't some botched calls. But Tulsa has a legitimate defense. They have the American Defensive Player of the Year in Zayvon Collins. He's an absolute freak of nature playing linebacker for them, as well as they have a graduate transfer quarterback from Baylor and Zach Smith. He's got all the arm talent in the world. His issue is, again, turnovers. If he can limit some turnovers and Tulsa's defense is that good to hang around and only lose by less than 14 points, I like Tulsa there, plus 14 and a half is my final college football lock. Okay, my final, uh, we talked about this game earlier, Oklahoma versus Iowa State. Had to take it. Go Sooners. Um, I talked about Homer the stat pick. before. Yeah, right. This one is <laughs> deep in my heart. Um, we talked about Brock Purdy and uh, Brees Hall playing great football for Iowa State. But if Lincoln Riley and Spencer Rattler can get this game right, I I I think they pull out the win. Uh, it's minus five and a half. Uh, I I think it's a two to three point game. Like I like I said about uh, Nebraska and Rutgers, I think it's a, a closer game. But I think Spencer Rattler gets it right. I think he shows he's a dominant uh, quarterback in college football. Um, and who knows? We'll see. All right, solid pick there too. So I think so. You're taking Iowa State there on the spread, or are you taking Oklahoma on the spread? I'm taking Oklahoma. Okay, I'm, ta- I'm taking Oklahoma. Oklahoma's uh, minus five and a half. Uh, oh no, actually, mm, yeah, yeah. All right, Ohio, Oklahoma by a touchdown. That's what he's gonna go with. <laughs> I think I'm. I'm thinking about. It. I think I'm gonna do that. Yeah, all right, that's all what right. I'm going with. There we go. It's all right. It's all right. I know you're new to this. This is a little out of your repertoire. You know me in sports betting. You know. <laughs> we we if you ever want to listen to a sports betting story we have one to tell you we're not going to talk about it today though because it's still another dear pod- to our hearts another podcast will do another it. podcast we can just rant about that for an hour um but for the nfl my first lock i've got san francisco minus two and a half versus dallas yes they're coming off of san francisco's coming off of a loss to washington Dallas played Cincinnati. Cincinnati's now a bye, basically, for any team with Brandon Allen out there at quarterback. 
I like the 49ers. I really do, especially with uh, Kyle Shanahan knows how to game plan well. And Dallas really struggles to stop anyone defensively. So give me the Niners there, minus two and a half. Another game we talked about earlier, uh, or potential game, you know, Chiefs versus Saints. Um, it's Chiefs minus, minus three. Absurd. Um, Chiefs win by at least a touchdown. It's the same yeah, team that's just, that up. one's simple enough, honestly, because I have Kansas City as well as one of my locks. So that's our big lock right there. Yeah. And that's our major uh, lock, Kansas City minus three. So Saints are banged up all across the offensive line, all across the defensive line. Philadelphia came out with the win last week. I mean, against Taysom Hill, who who we've seen time and time again. I mean, um, no, Pat Mahomes is going to do Pat Mahomes things. He's gonna he's gonna take advantage of of a weaker offense and a weaker defense for the Saints. Lock the Chiefs in. I love it. I'm gonna I'm gonna lock that one too. So Anthony, back to you for your second pick. That's my well, that was my second lock as well. So I'm looking at Eagles versus Cardinals, right? So Eagles. Great, Jalen Hurts. I'm so glad you got that first win. You have that confidence. Yeah, but the Cardinals are going to win. Uh, it's Cardinals are favored by six. Yes. Um, they're playing to keep their spot in the playoffs. We talked about it before. I don't see uh, Cliff uh, Cliff Kingsbury Kingsbury taking taking his foot off the off the gas. Um, DeAndre Hopkins is going to do bad things. To that Philadelphia, that weak Philadelphia secondary, uh, Larry Fitzgerald still that leadership role, and uh, Christian Kirk, man, he he's coming into his own. I I really think they have a high powered offense, and I take the Cardinals to win and, and cover that. I, it might be a two score game. I like it. I like it. My final one is going to be Cleveland minus four and a half versus the New York Giants. Yes, Cleveland's on a short week. They ended up taking that heartbreaking loss to Baltimore with Lamar Jackson allegedly cramping. Or pooping, depending on the person you ask. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? We will never know. But uh, came down, uh, again, taking that heartbreaking loss. I think we learned a lot more about Cleveland than people actually realized, that they're actually going to be a very tough out this year in the playoffs. And I think Cleveland, I mean, from what I've heard, there's a Daniel Jones is now dealing with another lower leg injury on yep. top of his hamstring that he's trying to recover from. They haven't released official what lower, what lower part of his leg is injured. There's a very high chance he will not play, which puts Colt McCoy in the fray. Give me Cleveland minus four and a half, especially with Cleveland trying to lock up a playoff spot this week. Give me the Browns. Like that a lot. Uh, Baker's my guy. Sooner Nation, Sooners. of course. Yeah, another jersey. I got another Baker Mayfield jersey. You know, um, I'm with that one. But I'm going with – I'm looking at the Seattle versus Washington game. Seattle's mm-hmm. favored – Seattle favored uh, minus five and a half. I'm thinking Washington to upset. I know Antonio Gibson is is uh, doubtful, doubt, doubtful, sure. And Alex Smith is questionable, right? But Seattle's imploding. Let's 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 look at it for what it is. Russell Wilson was the leader in the MVP for the for, as the MVP for what the first like six weeks or something like. Yeah. And they just keep getting they keep getting this loss and that bad loss and this and this. Their, their secondaries also still hurt, right? They're, they're, they're hurt across the board. And it's not like Washington doesn't have weapons. Um, yeah, you're not sure who's playing quarterback right now. You're not sure who's playing running back. But I think Washington has a potential for the upset here, especially if Seattle can't get the ball going uh, early. Washington has a phenomenal front seven. Playing, we talk about this week in, week out. Um, Montez Sweat, uh, uh, Ryan Kerrigan, 
big guys there know how to get to the quarterback. Nothing short of elite on the defense. I think, think it really limits uh, Russell Wilson's mobility. I like Washington in that game. Hey, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Give I me know. that. Because I need that a little Washington dub, a little Giants loss this weekend. And I think that almost means the division is over. Don't, no, don't worry about it. Philadelphia will be back there next year. Don't worry about it, Blaine. Oh you can gosh, have your, you can have your moment that. this year. Don't well, yeah, because if Washington wins, you might as well lock in any of the other three teams because we never have repeat champions <laughs> in our division. That's, absolutely. The NFC yeah. least, baby. <laughs> well, Anthony, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day today to come on to the podcast. It was much appreciated. Thanks for coming on. Of course, Blaine. Uh, happy to be here. I've been looking forward to this for quite some time. Um, I, look, I look forward to the next the next absolutely uh, definitely got to do it again soon so maybe maybe we'll add maybe you and pass will both be on you guys can just go at it for a little while next time i think we also need to let the fans know about our bet which one the one that we lost which is why i don't bet any longer the basketball one you want to talk about that right now and rant or do you want to or do we push that back to when we have paps on next time let's let's push it we can all get upset together yeah, so like, hey, next time, next time, Anthony, we'll have Pat Joey Paps on too. He was the one, my first guest on the podcast this year. We'll we'll talk we'll talk about our sports betting uh, debacles. <laughs> but uh, that wraps us up for another edition of Final Whistle. Have a great weekend, everybody. Uh, stay tuned for uh, some special episodes coming your way next week. Have a great day. Oh, I didn't stop.